Welcome to the Speaking of Women's Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Holly Thacker, and I am glad to be joining you back in the Sunflower House to talk about this edition, and we're going to talk about thyroid conditions in women. It's such a common, common issue, and we're taking some of this information uh, from our website, speakingofwomenshealth.com, and thyroid is such an important issue because one in eight women have thyroid problems in their lifetime, and there can be a pretty strong genetic component as well as an autoimmune um, component, and women are more predisposed to autoimmune conditions. And some of this content comes from an endocrinologist at the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Divya Yogi Morin. And we have an endocrinologist currently in our Center for Specialized Women's Health, Dr. Ula Abed, who's also a photographer who's been providing us some great photos on the website. And I'm going to have her back on the podcast to talk a lot more specific kind of physician level uh, detail about prescribing thyroid hormones and monitoring it. So generally speaking, endocrinologists have training in internal medicine and they're board certified in that. And then they go on and get extra training in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism. Now, I have a lot of women coming to me asking me if they're low in thyroid because of either weight gain or fatigue or low energy. And most of the time it isn't low thyroid, but Certainly by age 35, I like to screen more commonly if the person has a family history or has had some metabolic problems, just an elevated cholesterol for no reason, dry skin, constipation. My older sister, Amy, uh, has low thyroid and she was telling me that she just got progressively more constipated, still had energy to raise her four children. Um... And her skin got thicker and she could put her hand, she said, on a very hot object and it wouldn't burn. So, um, you know, I think it's better to diagnose and replace a needed hormone sooner rather than later. Um, and certainly women are busy. They are juggling their families and work and caregiving and community activities. And so I think sometimes people just accept symptoms as part of age or being very busy, uh, but certainly you have to wonder if there's hormonal problems, vitamin deficiencies, sleep disorders, anytime energy level is affected. Now, the thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped gland that's located right in the front of the neck, and it produces thyroid hormones, and they have an effect on virtually every cell in the body and affects many aspects of metabolism. Uh, some describe the thyroid gland as the gas pedal of the body. If it's going too fast, there's too much thyroid hormone. If it's going too slow, there's too little thyroid in the body. When I was in medical school and had a pick an area scientifically to do a thesis on in terms of biochemistry and anatomy and disease manifestations, I actually picked the thyroid. So we've said that thyroid disorders are common um, 
and more than 20 million Americans are affected. So if you're not affected by thyroid problems, you probably know someone who has. And that's more than the number of people that suffer from asthma or even active cardiovascular disease. And since many of the individual symptoms of thyroid disorders are so common, um, some people remain undiagnosed um, and they don't have their problem pinpointed. Some of the most common thyroid disorders are related to uh, the amount of hormones that are produced in the gland. And the normal thyroid gland is about 10 to no more than 30 grams. And it's located right below the Adam's apple, which in women is much smaller, of course, than in men. And um, I think it's important once a year to have your physician palpate the thyroid gland. Sometimes you can find enlargements, nodules. If the thyroid's getting larger, it might be because it's um, not producing enough thyroid. It could be because there's abnormal nodules growing or cyst. And if it presses on the breathing tube, the trachea, or the esophagus, the swallowing tube, that can be a problem. Sometimes the thyroid actually extends and grows down into the chest and the mediastinum. So hyperthyroidism is when the gland makes too much hormone, whereas the more common hypothyroidism is too little thyroid. And growth on the thyroid gland can be benign nodules or colloid nodules, or it can be thyroid cancer. So hyperthyroidism is overproduction of the thyroid hormone, um, and a person may experience palpitations, heart racing, sweating, weight loss despite eating more food perhaps or being hungrier, tremors, uh, looser stools, uh, lighter or skip periods, insomnia, fatigue, anxiety, uh, muscle weakness, a preference for cooler environments, faster heart rate. You know, you should periodically check your blood pressure and know what your pulse rate is. Count the beats uh, on the radial artery for a full uh, 60 seconds. And most people have uh, pulse rates between 60 and uh, 90. If you're extremely in great shape, it might be lower. Uh, if you've just exerted yourself or exercised, it may be higher. But certainly your, your pulse rate should not be over 100 beats per minute. Now, hypothyroidism is when there's not enough thyroid being produced. And some of the symptoms might include uh, weight gain, even though most weight gain in women is related to age and lifestyle. It can cause fatigue, low energy, also heavier periods, more migraines, constipation. You should listen to my constipation podcast if you haven't hair thinning or hair loss. I think that's still my number one listened podcast that hair thinning is not just for dear old dad. Um, dry skin, that's of course more common in the winter. Uh, feeling cold because your metabolism slows down. The cholesterol shooting up. Also, undiagnosed thyroid problems can be a cause of infertility. Now, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism um, is autoimmune, and the main difference between Hashimoto's and just regular hypothyroidism is the cause of the condition. Hashimoto's disease happens when your own immune system attacks your thyroid gland, thinking it's foreign. 
When you're hypothyroid, it simply means the thyroid's underactive and it's not producing enough thyroid hormone to meet your body's needs. As I mentioned, one in eight women are diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And it's common and it tends to run in families. Uh, Your physician might order like thyroid antibodies, microsomal antibodies. And I like to do this. uh, I know some endocrinologists just say, well, most most people have Hashimoto's if they're low in thyroid. And it might burn out. Maybe you won't see the uh, antibodies. But I like to check because if the antibodies are very high, I'm also concerned about immune overactivation and other autoimmune conditions such as reduced ovarian function. And women that have Hashimoto's thyroid might have slightly earlier menopauses. And if you look at pharmacy records in women, uh, when you see a woman over 50 on thyroid, like Synthroid, um, you see a higher proportion of women also on menopausal hormones prescriptions as opposed to women who are not on thyroid. And hair thinning and weight gain and fatigue, also joint pain can sometimes go along with Hashimoto's. Thyroid nodules. Um, This is very interesting and uh, very, very important. Um, Most are painless and they're usually just discovered by the physician or nurse practitioner palpating the neck. Sometimes patients find them themselves. Uh, Larger nodules might be noticed when people are putting on lotions or creams or shaving. Uh, They can sometimes cause difficulty in swallowing or breathing or hoarseness. And some nodules can become quite overactive and cause hyperthyroidism. They're very common in women, specifically women with Hashimoto's. And some studies have shown that the prevalence of thyroid nodules could be as high as 80% in women. And uh, a small but definite percent of these may harbor thyroid cancer. Certainly, um, thyroid cancer is one of the cancers that I think we may overdiagnose meaning someone can have abnormal cells, but it won't necessarily progress. However, if you have nodules that can be felt in the neck, it is important to see your physician, get a thyroid ultrasound. If the thyroid nodule is large enough or suspicious, it certainly might suggest cancer. And you might need a tiny little thyroid uh, uh, fine needle aspiration of the nodule. And this is generally a simple procedure that's done in the office, and the cells from the nodule are sent to the lab to see if there's cancer cells. And if it's atypical or they're not sure, sometimes there can be some genetic tests done on the cells. So you have been listening uh, to the Speaking of Women's Health podcast, and I am your host, Dr. Holly Thacker, back in the Sunflower House. And I am discussing on this podcast, thyroid conditions in women, a very common problem that I think it's important to have some knowledge of. So we're going to move on and talk about thyroid cancer. And unfortunately, many times people don't experience symptoms and the cancer is just found because of a lump or a nodule. Or incidentally, when someone's getting an ultrasound or a CAT scan or an MRI of the head and neck for unrelated conditions. In rare cases, thyroid cancer might cause pain or difficulty swallowing, or even hoarseness if it affects the vocal cords. Interestingly, women are more likely than men to develop thyroid cancer. They have just more thyroid disease. Um, Most types of thyroid cancer can be completely removed with surgery. 
uh, and survival rates, thankfully, are quite high. We're more concerned about a solitary thyroid nodule in a male patient over the age of 50 than a female, and certainly multiple nodules in the presence of Hashimoto's are a little bit more reassuring. Many people who have a goiter, which is an enlarged thyroid, aren't even aware of it until it becomes big enough to see. And sometimes goiters can grow to enormous sizes and cause trouble such as difficulty breathing or swallowing or cause a change in the quality of the voice. Certainly low thyroid can cause some changes in the voice. Uh, I've seen women go into natural menopause who just lose their estrogen and have the same amount of testosterone get a change in being able to reach the highest octave of their voice. And certainly I have seen a lot of disasters in women given these unregulated pellets to treat uh, fatigue or low sex drive or menopause where they're given male levels of testosterone which over time can thicken the vocal cords and change the quality of the voice. The good news in general is that thyroid disorders, including cancer, generally are very treatable. Sometimes thyroid medicine is used, sometimes radioactive iodine to treat an overactive gland, and in some cases, thyroid surgery is needed to be done by a thyroid surgeon. Now, pregnancy and thyroid conditions are kind of a special condition. In pregnant women or those with thyroid disorders or a family history of them, um, it's important to let your obstetrician know. And pregnancy itself doesn't cause thyroid disease, but all the ramped up hormone production in pregnancy can impact the thyroid. Also, uh, pregnancy uh, modifies the immune system in order to allow the woman to carry foreign antigen, the baby, for nine months. Women that are on thyroid replacement for low thyroid can have normal pregnancies, but at least every trimester, which is 12 weeks, thyroid function should be reassessed. And a lot of times the dose of thyroid changes as the volume of fluid in the body and the body composition and weight change. Um, Certainly thyroid can enlarge the gland during pregnancy due to the fact that iodine can be expelled through the urine at a greater rate than normal which can cause the gland to enlarge to compensate. Most salt is iodized, and that's a good source of iodine, which is important for your thyroid to function. Potassium iodide in certain doses is sometimes used to protect the thyroid against radiation damage in cases of like nuclear disasters. So we have a lot of information about menopause on our podcast. Um, Last season, I podcasted an updated version of my entire book, The Cleveland Clinic Guide to Menopause. So if you haven't listened to that or you want to refresh certain chapters on certain topics, please go back and listen to those because they're basically timeless and um, up to date. And menopause has been around as long as women have been around long enough to have lived long enough to run out of their eggs in their ovaries. And interestingly, perimenopause, the menopause transition, a lot of those symptoms can actually be kind of similar to both overactive and underactive thyroid. 
So it's pretty common that in midlife women I see, if I don't have outside blood work, and by the way, ladies, when you go see your physician, bring copies of your blood work. Um, even if your other health care system has things online, uh, all the computer systems don't always talk, and you really should have your own medical record with all of your uh, lab results. That's one of my pet peeves when people don't bring in important data like surgical records or biopsy reports um, and don't have that all put together by the time they come to be seen. Uh, increasingly pressed for time with office visits. You want to make the most of your office visit to get your questions answered and get the appropriate evaluation. And it's very important for your physician and surgeon to have accurate outside health information. So um, perimenopause can cause irregular menstrual periods, decreased libido, increased sensitivity Uh, and change in the brain's thermostat, which can result in hot flashes due to fluctuating estrogen levels or cold flashes. And women suffering from night sweats might feel fatigued, and if they don't sleep well, uh, depression can even result. And also around the time of menopause, it's a double whammy to the metabolism because menopause is associated with changes in body composition and it's lower menopause, and just aging in general is. So most women, their number one complaint is weight gain. And I think sometimes in perimenopause or before, it's good to ramp up the exercise, start intermittent fasting if you can do that and aren't already doing that. We've got podcasts on weight loss and intermittent fasting, which is anti-aging. And some suggest even a few pounds of weight loss before menopause just to kind of buoy the natural weight gain that comes with it. I think it's individual and it's something you should discuss with your physician. We certainly don't want to promote abnormal eating or restricted eating or eating disorders. So these menopausal symptoms and that I've just described can be obviously confused with thyroid disorders, which need to obviously be evaluated and treated appropriately. Um, and women that have thyroid problems can actually undergo menopause a bit earlier than the average population. So the average age, median age of menopause is around 51, 52. The range can be anywhere from 40 to 60. If it's under 40, which happens to 1% of women, it's abnormal. If it's under age 45, it's still premature and early and needs to have some evaluation. Uh, And if you're really bleeding into your late 50s, even if it's monthly cycles, Uh, we really want to make sure you're actually ovulating and that's why you're bleeding and that you don't have endometrial hyperplasia or endometrial cancer. So how do you get tested and what are some of the treatment options? Well, if you or your physician suspect that you have a thyroid problem, um, it's time to make an appointment. And another health tip I have is (laughs) it's always better to make appointments in advance, and if you don't need it, you can always cancel a few days to a week or two in advance uh, to free up the slot for another person who might need it. But it's a lot harder to get appointments. And um, if you only can get a brief appointment, sometimes you can only have that issue addressed. Um, It's always important, even if you're feeling well, to have an annual visit with your primary care physician or a physician extender, nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, 
uh, if you've got a complicated medical history, if you're over 50, certainly over 60, um, if you're on a number of medications, if you've had any serious health conditions, then I think to see a physician and have the physician oversee your care is important. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Um, since the thyroid affects every part of the body, if it's out of whack, a lot of things can be out of whack. Uh, you might want to get a screening TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. The goal in a young, healthy, non-pregnant woman is about between 0.4 and 3. If you're getting swelling, enlargement, a goiter, uh, you should get blood work checked for Hashimoto's thyroid and have a thyroid ultrasound. If you've had any history of radiation to the neck or chest or have a family history of thyroid cancer or Cowden, P10 syndrome, a genetic disorder, be sure to let your physician know because you will need closer surveillance. If you have low thyroid and a normal TSH while on T4 and you still feel fatigued, you may be low in T3, uh, and T3 is the active thyroid hormone in all the peripheral body. The brain pituitary, which makes TSH to tell your thyroid to do its job and make T4, can be normal at the brain level because the brain senses the T4, but the rest of the body needs T3, and T3 production can be low in some women and some people under stress with corticosteroids, maybe beta blockers, vitamin deficiencies. And I find about 5% of my patients need T3 in addition to T4. And if your TSH and T4 are normal, but you still don't feel right, and you haven't had that T3 test, you might want to ask for that. And if it's low, we add very low doses of T3, which is very potent, short acting, only last 12 hours. So I usually recommend half of a five micrograms of Cytomel in the morning and then at three or four o'clock in the afternoon just to get you through that slump in the rest of the day. If all your thyroid functions are normal, and, and I, I will mention that a TSH is not reliable in those patients with brain tumors, pituitary disorders, uh, pan-hypopituitaryism, which then the uh, master gland in the brain is not telling the rest of the body what to do. And so the TSH will be low. Um, I've seen people with antibodies um, to TSH and their TSH can't be monitored. But in the vast majority of people, the TSH is, is very sensitive and helpful. But if you truly have normal thyroid functions and you still feel like you have low thyroid symptoms, chances are it could be depression. It could be a sleep disorder like sleep apnea, a vitamin deficiency, or a hormonal problem. And I see women who come in who have menopausal symptoms, thyroid problems, depression, 
vitamin deficiencies, and sleep apnea and other untreated medical problems. It's almost like you want to add a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, and it's really bad to have all these problems just build up because they all influence each other and, and cause problems. So that's why I think it's good to be proactive. If you've got a chronic medical condition, get it treated. Know what your family history is because you've inherited genetics from your mother and father. But the good news is that most all thyroid conditions are easily treated. Uh, sometimes you do need special expertise and you do need to see a thyroid physician. And I hope to have Dr. Abed, who we had on earlier, who talked about uh, polycystic ovary condition, PCOS, infertility, uh, a very important and sometimes underdiagnosed and undertreated uh, condition in women. I want to have her come back on to talk about a lot of the more granular specific details that I think some of our physicians and nurses and nurse practitioners um, may be interested in. And I hope to do more medical, continuing medical education free via the podcast, um, which then physicians and nurse practitioners who listen and answer questions can get free credit. And I found that when I did that last season, which is what prompted me to start the podcast, I had a lot of my patients who really enjoyed listening, even though they don't need medical credit to keep their license up if they're not uh, a healthcare clinician. Um, but they found it very interesting um, to get that information. And Certainly you can get diagnosed, but maybe you're not getting the right uh, treatment or it isn't um, quite responsive. Um, some of the medications, probably the most common uh, thyroid medication is Synthroid, which is T4, and it comes in lots of different doses. Um, I prefer the brand as opposed to the generic, but the generics are getting a little better and if you are on a generic thyroid hormone, it's important to stay on the same um, company that makes it because if your insurance company is making you switch all around, your TSH can be jumping all around, and that's not a that's not good. It's important to take your thyroid hormone in the morning on an empty stomach with just water. Minerals and antibiotics and magnesium and other things can impair the absorption. You don't really usually have to wait a whole hour. Really, 30 minutes is fine. So I tell my patients to take it first thing in the morning with water. Keep it by the bedside. Even before they brush their teeth, you can make your bed, put the hot coffee on. Hopefully, it's just black if you're intermittently fasting. And then you can brush your teeth or do your morning routine. Get some stretching in, maybe a little morning exercise to boost your energy. Sit there, look at your calendar, plan out your day. Maybe have your 10-minute worry period to clear your mind for the rest of the day and for better sleep. Um, and for most people, Synthroid, if they're low in thyroid, is enough. Uh, Armor Thyroid is kind of popular amongst uh, women and people who get on Armor Thyroid a lot of times don't want to get off of it. It's an animal product, so it can't really be standardized, so there can be batch-to-batch variability. I think one of the reasons it's so popular and the people that are on it really like it is because it has T3 and T4. Sometimes it has a little bit too much T3. And, you know, even if you feel good, if you've got too much thyroid, it does accelerate aging. And I have seen women 
with thinner bones from being on just a little bit too much Synthroid. And since I'm in the field of anti-aging, because replacing hormones, uh, giving hormone therapy, promoting a healthy lifestyle and excellent nutrition and good sleep and stress reduction, all of those things are anti-aging. And so we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot and accelerate aging by doing too much thyroid. Just like I see some women use too much hormone therapy to treat mood disorders or they get kind of hooked or get tachyphylaxis, get used to really high levels of hormones with pellets. Um, and, and they're not a very physiologic, natural way to give back hormones. And sometimes I worry about armor, and that's one reason I want to have Dr. Abed back on so I can question her uh, as a prescribing physician um, about some of the pitfalls. There's some thyroid pills that don't have any dye. Um, you know, gluten is a problem for people with gluten intolerance or celiac, even in little tiny tablets or acetaminophen, Tylenol. Uh, and so, it's important to not only know the active ingredient, but the inactive ingredient in your thyroid pills. And it's, I think it's important to bring in your bottle and, you know, to know what the lot number and expiration and what the company is who's making it, as opposed to just saying, oh, look on my record, doctor. Because really what's in the record might be different than what's in the bottle versus what you're doing. There's a lot of different steps. And for very sensitive people, um, many times they have to stick with the brand name. And if the insurance doesn't cover it, it it might be somewhat cost prohibitive for some people. And regardless of your financial situation, um, even if you're really not on any prescription medicines right now, someday you may be, or certainly your older loved ones may be, the one podcast that I recommend to pretty much all of my patients, and it's also in column form if you like to read, uh, and it has the links which you can easily connect to is how to save money on medicine. And I've had a lot of my patients get menopausal hormones, thyroid hormone, anti-convulsant medicines, um, various medications for much less money, uh, excuse me, um, online on Canada Drug. Um, And there's plenty of other sites and there's lots of other tips on how to save money on medicines. So, Some of the other treatments just besides thyroid replacement with T3 or T4 um, can be other medications that can slow down the thyroid's um, activity like Taposol. Radioactive iodine can be a very effective non-surgical treatment for overactive thyroid. And a lot of people are afraid, oh, radioactive, oh, is that going to increase cancer? Actually, by killing the thyroid cells... It reduces cancer, but if you ablate or knock out the thyroid so it's not constantly overactive because you don't want to have surgery to remove the gland, then you are committing yourself to thyroid replacement. And it's always important when you have a life-saving drug like thyroid that you need because, you know, if you go without thyroid and your body can't make it within several weeks, uh, all sorts of metabolic problems will happen and you'll eventually slip into a thyroid coma. And we rarely see it, but when we see it, it's very dramatic and life-threatening. And so people that need medication to sustain their life, I think it's always very important to have extra on hand. And in general, for prescription medicines, um, 
you know, a doctor needs to see you once a year in person or virtually to prescribe. So at the time you have your last appointment, you should be making an appointment for exactly a year or less from there. And you can even make it sooner and then push it out if, if, if uh, um, you don't need that appointment. But it's always easier to cancel appointments than make them. And for people that need life-sustaining medicines, it's important to get regular care. Maybe also see an advanced practice provider uh, in the practice who might have easier availability of the physician uh, compared to the physician, especially once you're stabilized. Now, thyroid surgery sometimes can be recommended. Certainly, if it's cancer, you're going to need thyroid surgery. Uh, most likely, if you've got nodules that are impairing cosmesis, swallowing, breathing, um, sometimes the medicines just don't work to suppress the thyroid. Um, the thyroid can be partially removed or completely removed. And again, if you have any kind of surgical procedure, you should have a hard copy of your operative report and the pathology report because sometimes electronic health systems are down. Sometimes you move. Um, I think it's very important to keep files of your medical records. And after surgery, if your thyroid is removed, you will have to take thyroid replacement for the rest of your life to uh, bring back the uh, thyroid hormones into the normal range. So I want to thank our listeners for joining us in the Sunflower House to talk about all things thyroid. And if you've enjoyed this episode and want to support the podcast, please share it with others. Donate to our nonprofit, speakingofwomenshealth.com, or just simply click and leave a five-star rating. And to catch all the latest from me, Dr. Thacker, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, RadioInfluence.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and I'll see you back next time in the Sunflower House. <laughs>